welcome to the Mental Health Bootcamp Podcast. This is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I am Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Vancouver, Canada area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. And I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from the greater Vancouver area and Joanna's brother. Hooray. Hooray. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to March. Welcome to March 2021. How did that happen? About a year since the lockdown happened, about six months into this podcast. My goodness. What do you know? About seven months into this podcast. Time flies. Yes, it does. does. It sure does. (laughs) Um, Checking in with you all. Is everyone everyone doing okay? Are we we staying safe? Is spirits still up? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay one word answers are all that we need here yeah. we'll just uh power through definitely gives you something to work with there yeah no i think i think things are going well <clears throat> up here uh where we are spring is around the corner so that means we're getting all the early warning signs of spring and that's always really delightful so there's like the crocuses and um the daffodils i actually saw some daffodil they, they bloomed just a few of them which means tulips are around the corner and cherry blossoms and things are still cold, but there are signs of spring. Little hummingbirds, seeing Mm. them around, more birds are chirping in general. It's all good signs. Very nice, glad to hear it. Yeah, what about down there? Down here, um, yes, we're, we're, the signs of of spring are happening here as well. We have, some uh, wildfire warnings and uh, people kind of preparing for drought drought season. And uh, no, it's it's actually, this is a beautiful time of year down here. It's, you know, it's like always sunny and 70 degrees, which is what for you guys? 20 something? Maybe 20. Like just a, like a really nice, Temperature outside. Pretty close, I think. Like the temperature you'd keep your house. Get out the Google box. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen those uh, those memes? Like March 1st, 2020. March 1st, yeah. 2021. <laughs> There's been some pretty good ones. Yeah? I haven't, I haven't seen exactly what they look like. What are they they're just showing people? Yeah, I'd be like, um, can you think of one, Joe? Um... I just, it, there'd be like from the Titanic, it'd be like Kate Winslet, you know, March, 2020. And then March, 2021 is like her as the old lady at the end. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all age, like, throw wine. So yeah, in the gym. So just, yeah. Yeah. She's like, it's been good. 84 years. Yeah. The, the first one's like her dancing in the basement of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> that seems about right. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Or uh, Tom Hanks with uh, Forrest Gump sitting on the, the bench with his chocolates. And then March uh, 2021 is uh, him in Castaway. <laughs> <laughs> the scraggy beard and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been some good ones. 
That seems about right. Uh, did we get a verdict on the temperature, Brooke? 21. 21, yes. 21. So I, I feel like most people would keep their house or office between 70 and 72. It's mm -hmm. kind of like home temperature. Yeah. Yeah. So 20, right. that's a delightful temperature. <laughs> it is. It is delightful. And that's what we're kind of getting down here right now. So we're, I'm pleased oh, about that. That's what we get in May. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And you have rain up until then, right? Um, yep. There's some rain that happens. Sure. It's sure. very lush. Of course. It's great. Here we get, um, the, uh, here we get the defined seasons though, right? Which we appreciate for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I love having four seasons. I miss that about yeah. the climate. Through the seasons or rain, but it's okay. Yeah. I feel like sometimes they mix in a little bit or we get snow in May or something like that. But overall, we still have our four. Um, snow in May? <laughs> we have. We've definitely had snow in May. Like with really? me, like one day. Oh yeah. On Grace I don't think so. I think so. Here? Hundred percent. Yeah. It'd just be May? like a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Pika Whistler. Maybe. I don't know. I, I remember that. Maybe it was April, but for sure April. We've had snow. We're up in the plane when the plane's landing. <laughs> there. So one of the things that we would normally be doing in a in a normal year, we might be uh, here at the beginning of March, kind of getting ready to go to the Psychotherapy Networker Symposium in yeah, Washington, we D, would. which is usually the third week in March. And uh, and there, for the second year, that is canceled in person, but they're having it uh, virtual, virtually. Um, and so I just want to maybe make a little plug for the Networker, uh, since that's where we met. And uh, I still write for them and all of that. So uh, the networker symposium, anyone who out there who's a therapist or I, I, I don't know if it's required to be a therapist to attend some of these meetings. I, might. Think I think so. it, was, it was at one time, but I'm not sure if it's now. All right. Well, if you're a therapist, you know one. Yeah. And uh, one of us is uh, what doing a bunch of moderating, right? Yeah. I'm going to be introducing people moderating the chats and all that kind of stuff because it will all be over zoom and uh kind of fielding questions and that sort of thing for for gosh eight of the different workshops um and presentations and there will be i haven't even checked the list officially i probably should have done my research before this but again a lot of the big names that in in psychotherapy and, and psychology that uh, we talk about here are kind of regulars at this event um yeah. so we can expect to uh to hear some some, some of the big wigs talking and, and sharing their knowledge and, uh, you know, talking about new research and new methods and uh, helping people become better therapists. So uh, that's something, if you're interested, you can sign up now at uh, Psychotherapy Networker. I think it's .org. That's I think have. it is too. Yeah. So that's that. There's the plug. They didn't even pay me for that, but I gave them the plug. Hmm. They should. They should give you a tip or like a free hat or something. <laughs> sure. Or a stress ball. A stress ball? A t-shirt? Uh, yeah. Yes. One year, two years ago, we were there and we had a, a booth uh, where we were in the exhibition hall, kind of the exhibit hall that they have at uh, most conferences. And we had big 
big posters that talked about the mental health boot camp. It's true. And uh, yeah. we had giveaways and candies and all that stuff. And it was kind of interesting to see how some people truly do just go to the exhibit hall just to get the free candy. Oh man, oh, yeah. they sure do. And the, yeah, if you have chocolate, if you're giving away chocolate, then you are very popular. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily oh, yeah. mean people, people are gonna talk rounds. to you. No. 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 And a lot of people were very admit, honest though. about it. Like yeah. a lot, you know, they were like, I'm just here for the sweets. And then other yeah. people, I think maybe felt embarrassed or shameful to do that. So they would like listen, but the nonverbal cues were that they didn't want to be there. And then they like slowly, <laughs> or they would like not make eye contact and look down at like the flyers and things and then slowly <laughs> grab some chocolate or sweets and walk away. That was good. Yeah. It was a great time. I'm guilty of that. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of it. Some people have great candy and you're like, oh, is that worth going over to listen to a spiel? Um, yeah, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and here we were, yeah. exhibitors 100%. ourselves. Yes. It was kind of awkward though when you kept on doing yes. it to our booth, Joe. You're like, hey, how are you? I know. <laughs> but Joe, you're working. Like, Come on. In different outfits? Yeah. Hi. Wow. Um, Just think about that. The, the, the bowl of grab on your own candy that is going to be Ooh. away for a while won't it i think oh, yeah. so yes yeah it'll be like with gloves and tongs like, here is your candy here you are <laughs> or like so on true. a fishing line or something or you know yeah, okay. and, yeah all the buffet like little snacks that would come out no probably help yourself buffet style yeah. stuff mm -hmm. the little cheese the wine and cheese party you know that like that huge table of cheese and crackers? Nope, that's not going to be there. Nope, all different mm. now. But we still have our memories, don't we? We do. We do. Well, maybe next year we will meet again. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a podcast from the Networker Symposium, all four of us together. That would be awesome. In the same space, that'd be fun. Well, look, let's get down to business here. We have some some material to dive into, I would imagine. Um, I don't think it's my turn tonight, is it? No, it's Joe's turn tonight. Yes. yes. Okay. I will send that right over your way. Okay, so this is the ambush. One of us knows the uh, the topic for the evening. The other three of us don't. Tonight is Joe. She's going to ambush with the question. Okay, here we go. All right, it came across the border, it passed through customs, and here we are. Getting back to the basics. What is the mind-body connection? How does it relate to our mental health and overall well-being? And what is important for people to understand when it comes to this connection? The is Dan Siegel joining us? Is that gonna happen? Are we gonna be ambushed in like three minutes I wish. by Dan Siegel? <laughs> Dan Siegel. I wish. Yes, Dan Siegel, big, big, uh, big name, big public figure on this this very topic. The mind-body connection. How does it relate to our mental health and overall well-being? And what is important for people to understand when it comes to this connection? Let's go. I think that's a really good question, Joanna. I think uh, it's a really good topic. Is there a little background to the topic at all? I noticed in the past. Uh, 
like it's come up in your sessions or I don't know. Is there? Um, I just think it's kind of, uh, I don't know. I think it's something that is just, I don't know. I think it's, I work a lot with it in sessions or I think it's important when understanding just how our minds and bodies are connected and how our thoughts and feelings and attitudes can either positively or negatively impact us and have stress on our actual health, our physical health and uh, vice versa. How uh, any stress we put our bodies through will impact us um, mentally. So I think it's just important. I think it relates to a lot of our work with our clients. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now let's, let's also start with this, the idea that this is not something that is um, like we've all worked in doing therapy for a long time and the mind body connection is something that maybe we take for granted, but that's not something that everybody takes for granted. There's some people who would say that it's, yeah. you know, uh, that they're completely different systems. They're completely different units and, uh, and there's no connection at all. So, you know, someone for heard- boulder dash, Balderdash. There we are. Ooh. Watch your language. This is a family program, Brooke. Uh, so, for example, someone uh, someone has a lot of headaches or stomach aches, or they um, or they have high blood pressure, or uh, or even have some difficulties with uh, sometimes hair loss. So, so things like that could be a part of this, right? <laughs> Right, Chris? I was just looking at you when I said that. Balderdash. Balderdash. <laughs> no, but but there's some folks who would say, no, no, the physical body is one thing and uh, and the emotions and, and psychology are is something completely different and there's no real relationship between the two. You know, don't, uh, don't tell me that my, uh, my digestive problems are, are any, any result of my emotional life or my relationships or like that. It's just a just give me some some Pepsid or something else to help my digestion or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so this this idea that there's a mind-body connection for some folks is kind of a revolutionary idea, right? Yeah, even within uh, the field of psychology, it seems like we, we moved from uh, focusing on behaviors to cognitions there for longest time. It was all about the thoughts, um, mental activity. But it seems like more lately we've shifted back to more of the body, a lot of body-based therapeutic techniques and trying to emphasize that connection that you were just talking about. So of course there's actually centralized neurons. There's a lot of neurons around the heart and, and stomach, especially, but in other parts of the body. So, and they all kind of communicate to each other. I think it's called uh, through lamina two, I think it is a mechanism where what? information goes up and down. Um, yeah, so a huge connection there for sure. No, I, I totally agree. So I have a little spiel about it. I'm going to go on a spiel. Everyone hear it. Spiel so, away. Uh, I'm going to go get a pop. Get a soda pop. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your time. Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially, obviously our head is connected to our body and so it's going to go, it's a two way street as well. So when we're observing something when we're out in the world or even right now you're sitting wherever you are everything in your environment you're listening you're hearing you're sensing there's contact of of you against furniture all of these things and they're coming into your brain 
And then from your body, all of your nerve endings are sending information up into your brain as well. And then your brain is making sense of that information along with your emotions and your memory system. And when that happens, it makes a little decision of what's going on. There might be an emotion that happens and then it's gonna send signals back down into your body, which are then gonna activate you for your behavior or your, uh, your emotions are gonna be felt in your viscera in your physical system. So it's very much a two-way street, right? Like there's, I don't think that we can really differentiate one from the other because it's gonna strongly impact us, yeah. And same with absolutely your physical sensations if you're having digestive issues or whatnot, but there's also, um, let's say in a traumatic sense, if you're in a place where you're feeling uh, like if there's physical abuse, as a physical sensation, but it's gonna be tied to a sensation of fear, loss of control, powerlessness, anger, you know, these things. And so then your body's gonna hold that memory. Uh, it will recall later on when you're feeling fear, powerlessness, or loss of control, you might actually feel similar sensations to where the physical abuse was happening. So it's, it's really amazing how hmm. that works. Yeah. So it's it a definite two-way street between our nerve endings and our brain and okay. our perception gets thrown in there too. A little, little callback to last week's episode on self-destructive behavior there, Brooke, when you're talking about how for some people, the, uh, you know, like, like maybe with eating disorders, something like that, it may be sort of a repetition of some sort of an abusive, uh, yeah. something that happened with them physically that, uh, maybe they're, Kind of recalling or repeating in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of reminds you of Besser van der Kolk. He's like one of the big trauma experts. I think he's actually talking at the symposium this year, and he has a great book called "The Body the Body Keeps the Score." Fantastic book. Fantastic book, but he's he's yeah, some really good research there. So, what's he say? What's so great about that book, Ed Bessel? It's kind of like what Brooke was mentioning there that yeah. um, when it comes to challenges or traumatic experiences, um, a lot of it gets um, locked up in the, the viscera or the, or the body. So um, yeah, in the form of sensations and feelings and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I just chuckle because I've, I've had the fortune of, of being able to interview Bessel a couple times for once for an article and once uh, once for a video, like a, a continuing education video. And he knows his stuff. And he wants you to make, <laughs> he wanted to make sure that I knew my stuff too. Like he wanted to make sure I was prepared for my interview. So, um, hey, you know, that's, that's not a no problem. He's, uh, he, he knows, he's, he's a well-known figure in the field for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, so when it comes to this, uh, this mind-body connection, and I guess you're saying that things that maybe have happened to us in the past, maybe that will manifest itself in, in physical ways in the present. Um, and you guys mentioned how, Chris, you mentioned how therapies are kind of moving uh, away from purely cognitive stuff to, uh, to more uh, somatic stuff. And there's one type of therapy called somatic experiencing and, and a few others that are really about kind of how emotions show up in the body and what that, uh, 
what that what's important about that and about tapping into that. Do you guys have any uh, any thoughts on how that's how that can be beneficial for someone to even recognize how uh, how emotions impact the body like that? What what comes to mind for me is like, for instance, when the body is escalated, sometimes we don't think very clearly, right? So heartbeat speeds up, breathing becomes shallow, shallow, the body gets tense and it impacts our ability to think logically and rationally. We're more likely to be impulsive and reactive and maybe contradict our goals and, and values. So if you're able to catch those sensations, um, you're able, you know, there might be a, a way to help physiologically kind of calm yourself down just so the energy stays where it needs to stay and more the neocortex, the top part of the brain there. So even something like that, like I, I know for like a good portion of my life, I was kind of unaware of that. Um, that uh, so doing even just check-ins throughout the day, like am I feeling kind of escalated right now was hugely beneficial. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think it's, uh, even oh. go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say just in general too, like it, it doesn't need to be big things like um, just overall stress and how stress impacts the body, right? Whether headaches or um, yeah, it affects our digestion or stomach aches or um, I think stress impacts us greatly. And so I think the mind body connections vital there for people, I think, understanding the impact of stress and chronic stress on our, on our, yeah, biological health. When I have someone who really sort of doubts the idea of, uh, of a mind body connection, I mean, the really, the simplest example I bring up are like butterflies in the stomach. Like, how do you, how do you feel when you're about to give a, a public speech, you know? There's usually some physiological uh, component to that anxiety that comes up. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope I do well. I hope I don't screw up, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. And you just think of all of the the tension that people carry, you know, and, and like massage therapists are, are great at this. So they, oh, can, po- they mm-hmm. can point out, oh, wow, you're carrying so much in your shoulders or you're, you know, you're everything so much is tense in you right now. And that's just our physiological response to emotional uh, stressors, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, uh, Brooke and I co-own a wellness center in the area and we've had lots of conversations with our massage therapists about that is their clients will come in for a treatment and it could be just a general type of treatment, but they start to emote, um, you know, based on, on the experience. So they, they may start to, it might be catharsis or they actually may start crying or, or getting quite emotional, uh, based on the location of, of that massage. Right. So, but you have a good point though, like uh, butterflies in the stomach or the, the old saying, like follow your heart or gut feeling, you know, um, the gut can be quite intuitive. Sometimes it picks up on things or usually we feel a range of emotions around the heart as well. So and, actually and there's actually ago. a lot of neurons, right, Chris? Like yeah, around talk about those neurons, but I actually heard, read something a while ago about how the heart sends more information out to the brain than the brain down to the heart. So, you know, you think of when you're walking down the street and you hear like, footsteps behind you what what usually happens first your body tenses up and you turn around and you realize oh it's just your your friend and your body de-escalates right so it's that nervous system that fight or flight or freeze that is uh is a factor as well i've i've found it helpful for some clients and and a lot of my clients are men who um maybe haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about these sorts of things and and oftentimes we'll start talking about 
emotions and how they impact them? How do they know they're feeling an emotion? You know, what, how do you know you're angry? Like, I don't know, I'm just pissed off or, you know, whatever. No, no, how do you know? How do you know physically? They're like, well, I feel hot. My heart starts to race. I, you know, my shoulders get tense. Whatever, if we start to go through that, we start to see all of the physical parts to, to that emotion. And then they can also use that in the reverse. Like if they're suddenly finding themselves hot and they're tense and they're like, gosh, what's going on? Oh, this is anger. Oh, I must be angry about something. It's for some people that that sort of a deductive process is, is helpful for them to be able to identify, oh, that's what's going on. I'm nervous or I'm sad or I'm angry, you know? Mm-hmm. But for some people that alone is a, uh, is, is helpful for them just to be able to identify, okay, this is what's going on with me right now. Yeah, I find too, for some clients when you're, when you're working in that way, like to do the reverse, they become more aware of the physiological sensations and then be able to connect it to an, an emotion. But it also then empowers them potentially to do some re, like engage into relaxation exercises, knowing that, oh, if I'm hot, why don't I just go like literally cool down? Let me go outside. So let me um, put cold water on my face. Like, oh, I'm noticing my breathing is escalated. Maybe I should do some breathing exercises right now. So your body can give you clues to the types of things that you could do in that direct moment to help mitigate that emotion. That sounds great. Which is really nice. So if someone is, like you say, someone's feeling hot and they go and go outside into the cold, or if it's summer in California and it's never cold, maybe they put a cold washcloth on their neck or something like that. Do you think that helps actually reduce the emotion or helps them get control of the emotion? I, I don't think that the one thing will. Well, the yep. one thing probably, it will still reduce it. But if you do a few of the things, then yes, I think it will reduce the intensity. But then the hard work afterwards is making sure you track that and then give some reflection to it. Yep. But if that emotion is jumping up to a place where it's starting to get overwhelming um, or feeling out of control. So if it's hitting maybe a seven out of 10, we want to jump in there and see if we can get it down to a five so that you can then actually manage the situation or the stress or the trigger of what's happening, right? Sure. Sure. It's really educating about that, the power of thought too, right? If, If someone's anxious and we want them to and they're having thoughts that are kind of perpetuating all their physical sensations, you know, something encouraging them to think of a happy place or a calm place or um, focusing on what's around them. And by redirecting their thoughts and their, or their mind, it helps to calm their body. So that's kind of a something to help as well with relaxation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm about to raise the stakes a little bit here. Okay. Uh-oh. Crank it up a little. Because I think this is a great this is a great framework. It lays a good groundwork. I'm not trying to hijack your ambush, Joe. But, no, uh, add but to it. I think this might be a good place to at least introduce the idea of psychosomatic illnesses, right? Yeah. Which um, I don't. I wasn't planning on talking about this. So I don't really have a good working definition. But I would say that uh, psychosomatic disorders are disorders where someone feels 
they sincerely feel a, uh, a like a physical ailment, and there could actually be some strain, stress, whatever there. But the the origin of it is not actually a physical. Uh, it doesn't have a physical cause. It has an emotional cause, right? So it's just kind of the kind of the scaling up of butterflies in the stomach or tension in the neck to something that is actually um, uh, causing a lot of distress in a person. And it's the sort of thing that people oftentimes will go to uh, the doctor for and feel like there's something physically wrong with me. The doctor, the, the doctor, the, the physician, um, you know, checks them out for physical causes uh, of, the, of the ailment and usually don't find much. And then they have to kind of grapple with the fact that, okay, this is a, this is psychosomatic, psycho, you know, mind, psyche, somatic body. Um, this is something that's actually being caused by uh, emotions, thoughts, feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a, a, a better definition than, than what I just gave there? No, I, I think that explains it well. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I to, I, oh, go ahead, Brooke. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I think that they're more common than what we realize. I, I'm sure physicians see them more than maybe even what we see, right? Because I feel like persons with a psychosomatic condition um, really feel that they need to, and, and I'm sure I would too, um, access all the different medical supports possible, like really go through those before accessing treatment because they really do think it's a, a medical concern, right? Yes. Well, and oftentimes it, it's, it looks that way. One, one example yeah. is, is irritable bowel syndrome, right? Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, there, 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 there's evidence there that, that people are feeling a lot of gastrointestinal discomfort, you know, having to use the restroom a lot and not being able to kind of control that. And um, I mean, I've heard recently that uh, that some some folks who work in this field in this in this area of the, the psychosomatics would say, look, when there's a, a digestive or gut problem, you know, make sure that you rule out any sort of the uh, uh, psychological issues first before going straight to the, the biological causes. Not to say that there aren't those biological causes, because, you know, something like uh, celiac disease or, you know, other issues with, uh, with your Crohn's disease. Right. Absolutely. Those are absolutely mm-hmm. going to be physical, but, but for a lot of folks, the, the psychological is really at the root. And, uh, and, and it, interestingly enough, this is something that people, they don't really like that, that diagnosis. If it's they because don't. they feel like, they feel like, Oh, you're telling me it's all just in my head then. And, mm-hmm. and boy, we, as, as, Psychotherapists have to to help kind of kind of destigmatize that and show you know no this doesn't mean that you're just making it up you're not just this isn't you know you're not no being... the pain the pain is real the discomfort that these folks are feeling are is real um, is just the cause uh, isn't from a, a physical ailment mm-hmm. right right I have an example of this actually. Um a client came back to me and if I cut out, let me know, but a client um, who I've seen for a while, she started having fainting spells or blackout spells. So she'd actually pass out for, um, for periods at a time and got, went to the doctor, saw neurologists and uh, yeah, they, they chalked it up to somatic. 
stuff, psychosomatic. Um, and so about her anxiety and it was her body's way of kind of, yeah, coping or kind of survival mode there, um, her nervous system's way of kind of dealing. So yeah, kind of very recent uh, situation of that. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, she was wondering, they'd wondered if there are seizures, um, you know, trying to find some kind of physical explanation, but the doctor said, yeah, thinking it's, it's in, yeah, the mind and this, your anxiety kind of manifesting these symptoms for you somatic or yeah, somatically. So my, um, my mom actually went through a bit of it. It was never diagnosed as psychosomatic, but she had frozen shoulder from an accident. Mm. And so uh, years and years and years that she was struggling with this and she would always say, Oh, look how far I can raise my arm now. And it was never very far. She couldn't barely, she would struggle to get it to 90 degrees. She couldn't raise her arm over 90 degrees for I literally I don't remember how many years but she had a a bit of a tumultuous relationship with her family of origin and um, one of her family members passed away and the next morning she lifted her arm above her head Hmm. wait one of her family members passed away like so it was a person that like there was a there was a history between them and um, and the more recent history, there was struggles in their relationship. It was generating a lot of stress for her, the caregiving for this family member, the tension it was creating between her and her other siblings. There was a lot behind it. And he, yeah, he passed away. And the next day it was problem solved. The stress of that situation alleviated mm. whatever that block was for her. And now, yeah, no problem. She can lift it. Um, Holy cow. Yeah, that was that was kind of more an extreme one, but and then other client clients come in with this uh, as well. I have one right now. He comes in when he needs to, but it's uh, frequent urination mm-hmm. is what tends to show up. So, like multiple times an hour, really, he feels like he needs to, and um, very interruptive for for school and work and life. And I did all the tests, and nope, mm-hmm. no medical cause for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even things like, I mean, here we go, sleep hygiene, four or five or 15, but even things like sleep can be certainly affected. Like if someone's, if the stressors in your life are severe to the degree that it is like radically disrupting your sleep, then that's a psychosomatic issue in ways, right? It's like, it's, it's something that's rooted in your your, your psyche and your, your emotional life and, uh, and it's disrupting your physical function, right? Uh, oftentimes, you know, I'll talk with people and they're like, oh man, sleep is such a, such a bear for me. I just can't do it. And, and, you know, what's wrong with me physically? You know, what do I need to do? What do I need to get on the right medication in order to be able to sleep? But we take, we poke around for two minutes and realize, oh, you're, you know, you're ruminating about all these stressors in your life or you're, you know, you're on high alert because you don't really feel safe or there's something going on for you that makes it uh, really hard to sleep because, you know, your body just can't really relax. There's some, some unfinished business. Yeah. And uh, of course, it's very disruptive. Yeah. And then, of course, as we're talking about stress and different things, prolonged stress. So if you're under stress for a very long period of time, then that's going to have ramifications on your physical body. Like we're not meant, our bodies are not meant to sustain stressful situations for extended periods of time. So if you're under a high stress job or 
there's stressful family situations or dynamics that have been going on for, you know, even if it were six months or three months, you know, there's prolonged stress there. Um, or being in a, in a pandemic for a year, maybe? Or being in a pandemic for yep. a year, then no this might naturally, things might start to show up, whether, yeah, whatever that might look like for people. Grinding their teeth at night. That's a really common one. There we go. TMJ, right? Yeah. 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 Stomach ulcers, yeah. cold sores, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I have a client currently who has um, a sore throat that acts up and done all the medical tests and they seem to think it's psychosomatic as well. So we're trying to explore that. But do you think people actually realize how stressed they are? No. Nope. I think people... I think people acclimate to a, a a baseline and you know someone who's been stressed out for two years will just see, see feel like that's just their baseline well that's where i am I'm, I, I ride here um and they don't even realize that they're much higher than they maybe should be um i think we we realize we we recognize spikes but we don't re recognize kind of the gradual increases of stress i agree and if we're from a family that is more high, strung or stressed out, I think then we perceive that as normal anyway, like not just, oh, that's my baseline, but there's almost reinforcement of that baseline because that's what you grew up in or that's what you're exposed to um, or your workplace. If it's a high stress work environment, you're like, well, this is normal um, because you're not comparing yourself to like the yoga master, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's a good question, Chris. I like that. Yeah, people don't, I don't think people do recognize it, unless it's an anomaly, unless it feels like it's, it's a, there's a vast change. That's why people, you know, oftentimes, at least I hear about this in the States, someone goes on an extended vacation for 10 days, two weeks, something like that. And they, like a relaxing vacation, not one where they're busy, 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 but one where they actually just, you know, sit on a beach or in a cabin or something like that. And they come back to the regular work life. They're like, oh my gosh, I never realized how frantic my life is, you know? Yeah, I even said that myself um, last year when the pandemic hit, maybe a week or two into it, um, I mentioned, yeah, I didn't realize how fast I was moving until I was forced to stop. Yeah. I was yeah. like, no, I'm doing fine. I'm juggling all these things. I'm doing it. I have a routine. I'm good. And then I was like, whoa. Um, I, with the, with some of my clients, I'm starting to hear, since things are getting a little bit better, um, I'm starting to hear the anxieties about kind of re-entry, you know, like re-entry, mm -hmm. not just into restaurants or their office, but like re-entry into that old lifestyle. And fears about like, oh gosh, am I going to have to do that? Greg, mm -hmm. quick, just curious. Do you think in some ways that you were adjusted to that way of life? Or do you think you were just high, like really stressed and not knowing it? Because I think the pandemic brought this knowledge of, whoa, I was super busy. But do you think you were negatively impacted by that? Or do you think you had just adjusted to that? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I think a little bit of both. I don't think that it was one where like, yeah, I think in some ways I was adjusted. Like, I yeah. don't think that I was getting stress, like red flags. 
Right. Um, I've mentioned before in another, like I get cold sores when I'm stressed out and I wasn't getting cold sores. I was still sleeping well. I was, mm-hmm. my eating was fine. I was still exercising, like all of those things. Um, but the big difference that changed when I was like, wow, I wasn't like having enough time for enjoyment of the day. Right. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah, was, it totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, I don't know actually how happy I was in the days more than busy in the day. Mm-hmm. Surviving, like I got, yeah. yeah, I got through the day. There were elements I enjoyed, but did I, I don't feel like I was embracing the day. Hmm. That makes sense. So guys, let's get to the part of, of, uh, of our podcast. We usually reach, which is what can people do about this? Right? Like, um, if let's say that you you're noticing physical symptoms right or or you're feeling stressed and you're kind of oblivious to what's going on in your body i mean is there some value to kind of increasing awareness of this mind body connection and and what can people do about that ryan i think you already started with a good one which is slowing it down to say where am i feeling it in the body Mm. like if i'm feeling an emotion then we're where do I feel the emotion so that I can start to be aware of my signals before it reaches that threshold? I think that's a really good place to start. I think um, awareness as well as acceptance. I find that people that have these um, physical manifestations of stress or whatever it might be, they're irritated by the fact these sensations are there. They're irritated by the fact these sensations won't go away. And I think that irritation is intensifying those, those sensations even more. So acceptance say is, is I don't want it to be happening, but it is happening. Um, so I think that's a, a good step after the awareness. Mm-hmm. Or even some journaling. Journaling. Uh, journaling and reflection throughout the day. Uh, maybe not every day, maybe it's, you know, three times a week, but some journaling about like, how am I feeling? Giving your time, yourself time and space to reflect on, am I having emotions and, or what have I been noticing in my body? And like, just really trying to give it some time there, right? Totally. Yeah. I'll, I'll even make a recommendation to our listeners from all around the world, all six continents. We don't have anyone from Antarctica yet, but we have people from the other six continents listening to us. Take a moment and and ask yourself these questions. Where do I feel, or when, when I feel sad, where do I feel it? When I feel angry, where do I feel it? When I feel afraid or anxious, where do I feel that? And when I feel joy, where do I feel that? Um, and just kind of start raising that awareness of like what, what kind of happens physically for you when you have these emotions. Mm-hmm. And by starting that process, you may you may realize, oh gosh, yeah, my body is really responding emotionally. I do have a mind-body connection. Yeah. yeah. One of the ones I get my clients to do is uh, similar to that, Ryan, is every day to reflect on what's one positive feeling I had today and what's one negative feeling I had today. Mm-hmm. And then where do I feel those in my body? Yeah. There we go. There we go. It's, it's often a technique to do with uh, younger clients, but have you guys done the art exercise? I sure have on the gingerbread uh, man. 
Yeah. The, the like what exercise? Say it again. It's an art exercise. <laughs> so it's like a cutout. Brooks cutout looks like a gingerbread man. But um, the uh, the 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 paper that she uses but anyway so you have like color coded so what what color makes you think of anger or stress or sadness or happiness and then you draw on the body where you experience it ah any way you want right kind of shape using, line and color yeah using shape line and color like how would this look on your body so is it like solid jaggedy lines is it like a circle is it shaded is it mm. um, dots is it inside the body is it outside the body um and and what would that kind of look like and where and it's a really fun yeah. one to do no for sure yeah so, so i think awareness is key acceptance but then ultimately trying to calm the body right calm the body shift the mind so you know often the solution is not cognitive it's more of the behavioral stuff right uh, and we've talked yeah. about a lot of these techniques over the course of this podcast everything from deep breathing to a range of grounding exercises um yeah in the moment but ultimately though hopefully there's can be some uh you know some more downtime throughout the day as well we don't really value downtime too much in our society or culture you know there's often emphasize emphasis on being super busy so i think joanna was saying once like for every activity that takes activity you want um, an equal amount of inactivity or remember that joe you had like a way of drawing it out um yeah i think it was more of like considering we all have batteries like internal batteries and what depletes your battery versus what recharges your battery um so kind of you can draw that out and make a list of things that is kind of sucking that energy away and then things that can kind of help you recharge and kind of seeing where the balance is and if you're doing more things that are taking away your energy um it's a good visual to try to focus more time on those things that can fill you up so mm -hmm. yeah just one activity i love it listen to your body right i think it's kind of, of a lot of what we're talking about here uh, i think a lot of people sort of numb out or or try to ignore what their what their body's trying to tell them and i think if you listen to your body and and try to figure out what is it what is it trying to tell me you know What's Doesn't this? Olivia Newton John have a song about body talks? Oh boy. <laughs> Let me hear your body talk. Hey, that one? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was. <laughs> that would be the one. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Keep, keep on going, Joe. That's all I got. All right. There'll be a link to that in the, uh, <laughs> in the description of the, uh, of the episode. <laughs> Olivia Newton John, let me hear your body talk. Right on. Yes, listen to your body, everybody. Well, look, uh, I guess with that, we'll we'll wrap up for now. If that's good with you guys, and uh, we'll uh, we'll pick up with some new activities next week. Um, from my body, I I bid you farewell. I hope your bodies also do the same, and uh, we'll pick up with you guys next time. Okay. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a few bodies about this podcast. 
Anybody. Many, anybody. Anybody from any continent will do. And uh, we will bid you farewell for tonight. Everybody. Everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.